it's a, a pathological attempt of a society with a huge inferiority complex to try to catch up to the West. Well, she's been standing there since 1931, and for 39 years, it was the tallest building in the world. The Empire State Building is America's iconic skyscraper. There are other buildings that got taller in the United States, including the World Trade Center, which is no longer with us. But nothing is like the World Trade Center. It's made out of granite. It took a hit from an airplane back around World War II. A B-25 flew right into it. It was finished, as I said, in 1931. It's never caught fire. It's never shaken. It's never done any of those things because it's built to last. And, and it's an amazing piece of architecture and one of the modern uh, wonders of the modern world. Now, we've all seen how uh, cities in China look like they're out of some kind of science fiction rendering, but uh, there's a little bit more to the story than that. Here, for example, is footage of a Chinese skyscraper. It's 1,000 feet tall. The Empire State Building tops out at 1,400 feet. It's called the SEG Plaza. It's 1,000 feet tall. And as you can see from the inside, uh, there was a day not too long ago when everything in the building started shaking. So the occupants of the building immediately ran out into the street, uh, quite convinced that this was an earthquake. And I've been through several earthquakes look exactly like this. They found to their surprise when they got on the street that the street was doing fine, but the building was still shaking. Apparently, it shook for three days. There was no earthquake. This gigantic thousand foot skyscraper was simply wobbling and doing that. And it wasn't even windy out. I've also seen a movie uh, from back in the day called The Towering Inferno, where a skyscraper caught fire, caught fire about halfway up, and the fire consumed, you know, a number of floors. And of course, once again, we saw 9-11 fires in skyscrapers, but I've never seen anything like this before. This is a 40-story building also in China that developed a fire, was completed in 2000, and the fire consumed the entire building. I've never seen anything like this before, ever. Not too long ago, I did a video called um, Chinese Ghost Cities, where I talked about how all of the capital in, in China that's owned by the, the Chinese workers has nowhere to go except in building construction projects, and many of those were not finished. And now looking at, uh, at these two examples, guys, I'm beginning to think it's actually probably kind of a blessing for them that they're just concrete skeletal structures, because when they put materials in them, they catch fire. Uh, this building burned as badly as it did because it was built out of flammable materials. There were no sprinkler systems that we're aware of. The electronics, the, the electrical wiring was shoddy and all the rest. This might be a good time to introduce Steve Green and Scott out, by the way. Uh, gentlemen, this is known as tofu dreg. It's the uh, building code in China. And when they referenced the shaking uh, skyscraper that we just showed you, uh, the Chinese themselves are saying that that building is made out of Chineseium. And that's why it's about <laughs> to fall down. Uh, I'll put a couple of other highlights here together, just some video of, of uh, tofu uh, drag, this monumentally substandard um, uh, construction standards in China. So guys, here's, here's the reason why I keep wanting to bring this back. We, we are told by our betters in the, uh, in the university circuit and among certain political parties that this authoritarian one state rule is really the answer and that China is an example that we should all be looking up to. Uh, this is what Chinese architecture looks like. And it's not just one or two cases. The entire city is essentially, the entire country is largely made out of Chineseium. Uh, Steve, we're, we're all solid uh, conservatives here, and, and we know that, uh, that the government is, is usually not our friends, but living here, especially in earthquake-prone California, yeah. I do believe that there are some legitimate roles for the government, and one of them is inspecting buildings. Um, in China, the large construction companies are 
are also largely owned by the Chinese Communist Party. So the financial reason to cut corners is there. And the what would normally be the counterweight in terms of government oversight, in terms of inspections, is also on the side of cutting the corners to make some more profit. It doesn't sound like a recipe for long-term success to me. Yeah, government is a lousy watchdog for government. The incentive is just not there in that case. As, uh, what do they call them in China? It's the uh, uh, SOEs, the state-owned enterprises that conduct a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the SOEs were were really getting trashed during the serious reform years in the uh, in the 90s and the early noughts uh, because China was actually moving in a free market direction and the SOEs were becoming a smaller and smaller part of the economy. Well, that has changed in uh, in recent years. And that reason is it starts at the top with uh, Xi Jinping. He he loves himself some communism, and the results are right there on fire. You know, I used to go to uh, ball games at Candlestick Park. That building is the real deal. Yikes, I've never seen anything like that. It's frightening as hell. Um, years ago, Ace of Spades, he was talking about uh, construction projects in the Arab world, where we, uh, the oil-rich Arab world, where we haven't seen any of this kind of stuff. Uh, thank goodness. But he came up with what he called the Dirk Diggler effect. And this is just such a perfect analogy. Uh, Boogie Nights, uh, uh, P.T. Anderson movie, is, is one of my favorites. Came out in 96, 97. It's set in the San Fernando Valley porn world of the 1970s and early 80s. And it's just some wonderful over-the-top melodrama comedy, just Great flick. Anyway, our hero is uh, a young porn star named Dirk Diggler. That's his screen name. He basically only has one talent. You can probably guess what that is. And as the money starts coming in, he blows it on, you know, the, the, the most expensive Corvette and a lot of cocaine. And by the end of the movie, near the end of the movie, as you say, in the third act, that beautiful Corvette. Well, he and his buddy are pushing this this kind of wreck of a Corvette to try and get it to, you know, they're trying to push start this thing because he's Dirk Dickler. He doesn't know how to take care of anything. He knows how to spend the money to get the nice thing, but he doesn't know or care to maintain it. So the beautiful car is now a wreck that he has to push start. Um and that's that's kind of what we're seeing in China. Uh, I should say in mainland China, this this idea that they could have built everything great. They knew how to do it. They 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 built the country from the scratch money. in the last twenty five years. So I yep. said on the backstage show, if it's not an artifact like the Forbidden City, there's nothing in China more than twenty five years old. I exaggerate, but not by much. And they they could have built world class cities, earthquake proof, fireproof, everything. They didn't because they're communists and the incentives aren't there. And before I finish, I just want to say one thing. Um, this isn't. A Chinese thing. This is a communist thing. I would not hesitate to step into a skyscraper in the Republic of China on Taiwan. I wouldn't hesitate to step into a skyscraper in Chinese Hong Kong. Communist China? Oh, no. (laughs) I'll stay on the ground floor, if that. Funny brand of communism, isn't it, where the Communist Party is involved in these multi-billion dollar yeah. uh, industries of construction and are there to bilk the uh, Chinese people of, of whatever hard-earned savings they have. Yeah. You make a great point about Taiwan, Stephen. There's another point that needs to be made, too. I find myself guilty of this because I find the actions of China to be reprehensible. They're not our friends. They are definitely our cultural enemies, and they're spending a lot of money doing their very best to destroy this country. And my wife has taught me to continually remind myself that 
it's not the Chinese people who are doing this, it's the Chinese government. That's a distinction that needs to be made. And Scott, the reason that this is, well, it's, it's a morally important distinction to make at any time, but clearly the people who, who watch China, and I don't mean watch what the Chinese government do, the people who listen to the people on the streets of China are noticing that there is a rapidly, rapidly growing backlash to this. They are refusing to pay these mortgages that they got into to pay for buildings that will never be finished. The people that that ran out of that shaking skyscraper that was not undergoing an earthquake were not happy campers and not happy about getting back into that building again anytime soon either. And so you have to ask yourself, how long can this go on? If the building, a thousand a thousand foot skyscraper is a significant, that's a, that's a huge thing. The top floor of the Empire State Building office is only 1,200 feet. It's an enormous building. If this building is about to collapse without any wind or any vibrations, you have to ask yourself, what is going to happen when a serious earthquake does strike and and millions of people find themselves inside these buildings that are made out of sand and, and rebar that you can just snap like this? I suspect that it's going to take a, a, a catastrophe of that scale for for the Chinese people to overcome their their history of of just brutal authoritarianism and repression, but they're getting angry. And if the Chinese people are getting angry at what the Chinese government is allowing, then there's some signs that the Chinese government may not be around forever, and that would be good for the whole world, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and imagine the the kind of repair and restoration project that ensues after that. I mean, if the communist uh, government should fall, uh, they've got to go back through and basically say, okay, we can't trust any of this stuff. And the the investment there is going to be immense just to try to make safe buildings that were built in a slipshod manner. You know, it's not like no buildings ever catch fire or collapse in the United States, but when they do, it's a freak story. Like when you were talking about that, I thought, okay, that building collapsed in Miami, uh, largely because the, the guidelines from the government, which is in charge of monitoring those, were ignored. Um, oh yeah, that balcony collapsed and killed a couple of hundred people or 114 people and 200 and some were injured in Kansas City. And I had to look it up on my phone. I'm like, when was that? Well, that was 1981. Oh, wow. Like, as I'm going back and trying to think of the, like, what what is like this? Um, and there's just not a whole lot like this. And and our news media is all over anything. You know, if it bleeds, it leads, and fires are number one on the news. Um, imagine what it's like in China when we're just getting sort of, in many cases, kind of surreptitious videos sneaking out of the country or situations where it's so big, you've got a 656-foot-tall candlestick in the middle of your city and there's no way to hide it. Um, but imagine the, the things that we don't know about that are going on there. Um, all of this reminds me of an encounter that I had with uh, a Chinese student. Uh, our church in Pennsylvania had a dinner every year at Thanksgiving for students who couldn't go home to their families for Thanksgiving, and they were primarily international students. And so they were from other countries and they were attending local colleges and universities throughout the Lehigh Valley. And um, I was talking to this young Chinese man and um, 
And I said, uh, where do you go to school? And he said, Lehigh University. And I said, why do you go there? And he starts telling me about this amazing professor of engineering that uh, had a worldwide reputation and that he specifically wanted to go so he could study under this, this professor of engineering. And I said, well, in a country the size of China, certainly you have many great professors of engineering and many great engineering schools. Um, why would you want to travel, uh, leave your family, travel halfway around the world, um, all just to, to come here to the United States to study at Lehigh under this professor? And he looked at me like I was out of my mind. Like, what's what what's wrong with you? Why would you even ask a question like that? Of course, I want to be at Lehigh rather than any university in China. Of course, I'd rather study under this man rather than the best in China because I want to be an engineer and I want to be good. And um, and that that disconnect where like, I'm sure he loves his family. He loves his country. He loves his city. But he knew that ultimately, if he wanted to be an engineer, he better get out of there and come here and learn how to do it right. Do it right. Um, it is not a racial thing. It's not a, it's not a location thing. It is a cultural thing. It's Scott pointed out, we have had buildings collapse. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite channels on YouTube is called um, Fascinating Horror that looks at, at, at a series of engineering catastrophes in the most level-headed, even-toned manner. And time and time and time again, you find cases where somebody's cut corners or somebody locked a fire exit with a chain because they were about shoplifting or whatever. And again and again and again. But the one lesson that you take from these catastrophes in the West is that virtually every one of these cases results in changes to building codes, changes to legislation. I'm much more familiar with the aviation, as aviation aspect of that, where we say that uh, that aviation regulations are written in blood. And what that means is we don't know what we don't know until we know it. But when we know it, it's the nature of our culture to do what is ever necessary to find out what the actual cause is, not cover it up because of political reasons or embarrassments, and find out what went wrong so that we fix it so that it never has to happen again. So I don't have any problem with, with government inspectors. The most horrific plane crash that I'm aware of was the Alaska Airlines uh, airplane that, that went in just off the coast of California, not far from where I live, where the plane uh, had a, a trim down situation and the crew fought it for half an hour. They flew the plane inverted for five minutes trying to save that plane, but they couldn't do it. Finally went into the water, killed everybody. Turned out that there was a, a jack screw that controls the pitch on the elevator and it had been improperly lubricated because they were cutting costs on maintenance. Mm. And, and so all of those innocent lives and all of that heroism because somebody was trying to save a little bit of money. That kind of thing, inspecting that kind of thing, is what a, not this government, a government is for. That's what a government is for. My problem is when the government starts saying, you can't build this here, you can't build this there, you can't cut down the tree in your own backyard. You, that's my problem. Don't tell me what I can do. But yes, it's good to have a third party check all these things out. China is, is a, is a, in in many ways, uh, uh, watching it's like watching the Soviet Union at, at twenty times the speed. It's a it's a it's a, mm. a pathological attempt of a society with a huge inferiority complex to try to catch up to the West and doing whatever's ever necessary to get the illusion of that. But it's not 
sustainable. It's not possible without the substrata, without the culture of responsibility. Our buildings don't fall down. And on the rare, rare occasions where they do, it's a national catastrophe. It's a national story. And most importantly, we find out why it fell down so that it doesn't happen again. That's not happening in China. But here's the kicker, folks. That culture of, of that engineering excellence, that culture of safety, that culture of responsibility is bred by American culture. American culture used to consist of the most highly educated people in the world, people who went to the moon on the math in their heads. Now, China is turning out hundreds of millions of top quality engineers with spectacularly excellent educations, with a lot of focus there. And in the United States, you find out that you do these on the street interviews and these people can't tell you who fought in the Mexican-American War. It's almost like the, the old Grant's tomb joke, you know, who's buried in Grant's tomb. They couldn't tell you. The culture, I don't know what's happened to my focus here, but in any event, the culture is, is something that, that extends over time. And if we are now raising generations of people who cannot tell time on a digital clock, who don't know what year the United States got its independence, if that is the output of our educational system, if you think that that that, that, that kind of a result is going to be able to continue this kind of a record of excellence, you're out of your minds. Our Biggest problem is not the frailty or the or the or the uh, flaws in our buildings. They were built by giants. Our problem is is that the engineers and the builders of tomorrow are coming out of colleges not knowing how to add, let alone calculate loads on buildings. And if that doesn't scare you, then nothing will. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.